So we're continuing this broad theme of This is Jesus, and, uh, and I do want to, this morning, I'm dropping things all the time here, I do want to talk about Jesus' view on giving. Okay, that's what I'd like to do, but I'd like to talk about it from a slightly different uh, view here. One or two people have said to me, Mark, you don't often talk about giving, and I very much give it to God, so I'm being, I'm being obedient and responding, okay, to members of the church. I'd love to read from Luke chapter 20. Very famous, well-known, Luke chapter 20, and then just going to go into the first few verses of 21. Luke 20, verse 45. While the people were listening... Jesus said to his disciples, Beware of the teachers of the law. They like to walk around in flowing robes and love to be greeted in the marketplaces and have the most important seats in the synagogues and places of honour at banquets. They devour widows' houses and for show make lengthy prayers. Such men will be punished most severely. As he looked up, Jesus saw the rich putting their gifts into the temple treasury. He also saw a poor widow put in two very small copper coins. I tell you the truth, he said, this poor widow has put in more than all the others. All these people gave their gifts out of their wealth, but she, out of her poverty, put in all that she had to live on. Jesus saw the rich putting their gifts into the temple treasury. He also saw the poor widow putting in two very small copper coins. That's where I want to start today. I want to say this. God sees and God knows. I want to say to us, God sees, the Father sees, Jesus sees, the Holy Spirit sees, but they see differently to the world. We live in a world of grand gestures, don't we? They're the ones that hit the news, aren't they? They're the ones that get highlighted, the grand gestures. We celebrate grand gestures, and grand gestures are are not bad in themselves. But I want to say to us today, the Father is not looking for grand gestures. He's not looking for our displays. He's looking at our hearts. And seemingly, the small things, as Jesus quite clearly, we're told here, Jesus saw. Jesus saw. Small things are not missed by him. Jesus saw the rich putting their gifts in. If you go to Mark's account of this same story, chapter 21, it says people were actually throwing, throwing in large amounts. That's what was being seen. And in fact, if you read Matthew chapter 6, although it's not about this specific story necessarily, it's about the same time. It's about people putting in uh, into the offering. Do you know what Mark 6 tells us? People blew trumpets. They had a trumpeter who would walk along to announce they were about to give their offering. Literally, a trumpet would be blown. In other words, catch everybody's attention. And then they would throw throw sacks of gold, sacks of money into the offering. Literally was what was happening. Jesus saw this. He also saw the poor widow. And he saw the heart. Do you remember 
story in 1 Samuel, chapter 16. Just going to bring it up on the screen, hopefully. If not, I'll read it to you. Samuel is sent by God to anoint one of Jesse's sons. You remember? They all get brought out, don't they? Lined out all by one because he's out in the field with the sheep and the lion and the bear. Um, But he's out there and they're lined up. And the first one is the eldest, Eliab. And he's a big, strong, strapping guy. And what does Samuel say? Surely the Lord's anointed stands here before the Lord. You know, look at him. Look at the size of him. He'd make an amazing king. You know, he just looks like a king. But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not consider his appearance or his height, for I have rejected him. just want to say here, there's hope for us short people, okay? (laughs) The Lord does not, listen to this, the Lord does not look at things that people look at. Can you just hear that? Some of us are very concerned about what we look like, how we come across. Please hear today, the Lord does not look at what people look at. People look at the outward appearance. The Lord looks at the heart. Jesus said, this poor widow has put in more than all the others. Some are throwing in large amounts. Goodness knows. You know, they're literally throwing in sacks full. Jesus says, but these people gave their gifts out of their wealth, but she, out of her poverty, put all that she had to live on. When it comes to the whole subject of serving and giving, I want to say to us today, it's not about the amount, it's about the heart. Need to hear that. But there's always a but mark. There's always a but. It's not about the amount, it's about the heart. But I do want to say the amount will often display the heart. Now you can go away and meditate on that based on scripture. See, the thing about money is that it's at the very heart of who we are, isn't it? Particularly in our Western society and Western culture. One of the reasons I don't speak on it very much is because as a British person, I'm embarrassed. I shouldn't be, but I am. Why? Why? I think for us as Brits particularly, it's one of those mind-your-own-business kind of things, isn't it? You know, I I don't know many people who go around talking and discussing openly. Other cultures do, but in our culture, we don't talk about who earns what and how much they earn and what they spend their money on. It's all very private. It's mind your own business. But it's not what the Bible teaches. Apex Church, we love the Spirit. We love the Bible. So we teach about being continuously full of the Spirit. We were speaking on that last week. Just want to say to you, if anyone wants prayer in any area in their lives at the moment, going to be here available, want to pray for you, others will be here. Let's keep praying for the more of the Holy Spirit, more of God in us. But we also teach, along with that, the biblical principle of stewardship. See, the foundational principle behind all giving is that you don't actually give God anything. Do you know that? You don't actually give God anything. Why? Because what we're doing is deciding what we're going to keep. Speaking to believers here, this is a believing position. This is a faith position. 
It's not about giving to God, it's how much am I going to keep? Everything belongs to God. Everything comes from God. We are only looking after, or let's say, we are stewards of what he has given us. That's what we believe, and that's what the Bible teaches. The son of Jesse, of course, who did get called in from the fields, and who was chosen to be the king, was, of course, David. And David understands this. Don't all be shocked when I'm quoting from the Old Testament. I know I need to get into it more often. But... Quoting from the Old Testament, 1 Chronicles chapter 29. What's happened? They've just taken up this massive offering, huge offering for the rebuilding of their mission hall, the temple. Okay? And uh, people have given generously. It's an amazing thing. And there's celebration. But listen to David. Listen to David. 1 Chronicles 29, 14. Who am I? Who are my people that we should be able to give as generously as this? Everything comes from you, and we have given you only what comes from your hand. The ability to bring their jewellery, you go and read it, it's astonishing. Jewellery, precious jewels, I don't know how much jewellery and precious jewels has gone into the mission hall, but uh, anyway, but they're bringing gold, they're bringing their family jewellery, they're bringing all sorts of things, but what he's saying is, everything comes from you, We're only giving back to you what you've already given to us. Do you hear that heart? It's the heart of David. We need to understand that. It's like, no, that's mine. I earned it. You don't know how long I saved up for that. Yes, but who put the breath in your mouth in order that you might go to work? Who gave you the ability to study and be educated? Our Heavenly Father. All things come from him. It's all his. It's all from him. We are stewards of what he has given us. And I want to say to us, we display our trust and our heart by what we do with what he has given to us. How we use what we have, what we do with it, will display our heart of understanding where it's come from. Let's just read some more words of Jesus because we're very much looking at this is Jesus How does Jesus speak about these things? We could have gone into the Apostle Paul or the other apostles in the letters, but really just want to dig particularly into these words of Jesus. Matthew chapter 6, a couple of sections, very well known, and the whole Sermon on the Mount kind of area. Be careful then, verse 1, not to do your acts of righteousness before men to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. When you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets, to be honoured by men. I tell you the truth, they've received their reward in full already. By the way, Warren and Brendan and Graham and Karen didn't ask for their names to be mentioned. It's me mentioning their names. So I don't believe their reward is taken by just to say that. (laughs) When you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. So you're given, giving maybe in secret. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And then look on to verse 19. Do not store up for yourselves treasures in, on earth where moth and rust destroy, where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth, moth and rust do not destroy, where thieves do not break in 
and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Yes, we do need to be practical. We need to be thought through. Come to that in a moment. Ultimately, it is a matter of the heart where our real faith, where our trust lies. Some of you may find this a little bit provoking. I feel uh, in my own heart is right to be able to say this. Faith is not about having a backup plan just in case. Now, you need to hear me. I am not preaching against pensions, okay? I'm not doing that. But I am saying where the heart, where is the heart of our faith? Where does it lie? We live in a culture, we live in a day and a time where backup plans are being thought through a lot. You've just got on the property market. You have a wife, young child. And God speaks to you about selling your house to pay your way through Bible college. You know you've been called by God. You know you've been called to be trained and equipped that you might help the people of God, but you don't have the finance. And God says, but you have a house. The voice of, the, the voice of sense, the voice of the world says, no, don't do that. It's not wise. It's not prudent. You need to have a house. You need to be on the property ladder. But then as you're praying and as you're fasting, the voice of Jesus speaks by the Holy Spirit and says, anyone who has left houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or wife or children or fields for my sake will receive a hundred times as much and will inherit eternal life. And so you sell the house and you get yourself trained. Now it's challenging. It's a stretching place to live. But it's also one of knowing the grace of God. It's knowing his provision and his supply as you lean upon him. As there is no backup plan, you, he, pro, pro, he provides over and over and over and over and over again. Twenty years before God begins to reveal his plan of how he is going to work it out. That's probably a story for another day. Of course, the context of that scripture that I just quoted to you is the one of the rich young ruler or the rich young man who comes to Jesus. Let's just look at that one. That's Matthew chapter 19. Matthew chapter 19, the rich young man came up to Jesus and asked him, Teacher, what good thing must I do to get eternal life? Why do you ask me what is good? Jesus replied, there's only one who is good. If you want to enter life, obey the commandments. Which ones? The man inquired. Jesus replied, Do not murder, do not commit adultery, do not steal, do not give false testimony. Honour your father and mother, love your neighbour as yourself. All these I have kept, the young man said. What do I still lack? Jesus answered, If you want to be perfect... Do you know, I've never noticed that before. Jesus said, If you want to be perfect, go... Sell your possessions and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come and follow me. When the young man heard this, he went away sad because he had great wealth. 
See, all of this, for me, helps us with the how much question. How much? What must I do? How much to give? How much displays to him that you know it all comes from him? How much displays that you've understood that this is not all that there is? That your heart is focused on an eternal perspective. That you are regularly and faithfully making deposits into the treasure bank of heaven that Jesus speaks about. You're investing in something that's eternal, that goes beyond this current time and place. See, it's one of the reasons why you'll never get me to make a definitive statement about tithing. Now, I don't mind someone using the word tithe. If you don't know what that is, it's, it's a tenth. It's a tenth of, uh, and, and using that as a goal uh, or a target is actually what I've done myself over, over many years. By the way, is that a tenth of your gross or your net? That's another discussion, isn't it? But you see, for someone on a very low income, I know I've said this before, but someone on a very low income, a tithe or a tenth may be a massive amount. But for another person, a tithe or a tenth might be pocket money that they wouldn't even notice had gone. This poor widow, says Jesus, has put in more than all the others, the sacks and the, the trumpeted amounts, She's put in more than all the others. These people gave their gifts out of their wealth. She, out of her poverty, has put in all that she had to live on. I had a lady come to me some years ago at a previous church. This is a true story. And she said to me, how much do I have to give to be a member of this church? She's come from quite a different church background. To which I replied to her, nothing. Nothing. She was genuinely shocked, genuinely shocked. And she said, but the Bible says you have to give. You're supposed to give a tenth. You're you're supposed to be tithing. She was shocked, cross, upset. Gently as I could, I said to her, I don't believe there's anywhere in the Bible that says you have to give. What 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 7, each of you should give what you've decided to. In your heart to give. Not reluctantly or under compulsion. For God loves a cheerful giver. Don't want any person in this church having any reluctance, any compulsion. I must, I should. If you've got a must or a should in you, shake it off, be free. Nothing. Cheerfully, cheerfully, in your heart, decided in your heart before God. In response, in worship in praise, in adoration to the one who has given you all things, not reluctantly or under compulsion. If you want a bit more instruction or direction, if if you're that kind of person, but Mark, I need some clarity. 1 Corinthians 16 verse 2 says, On the first day of every week, each one of you should set aside a sum of money in keeping with your income. And uh, again, you may have heard me mention this, but it's a core. I love this scripture because I, I find it so helpful, so practical. On the first day, it's regular. It's, it's timely. It's intentional. It's thought through, set aside. If you hear these phrases, it's thought through. It, it's not last minute. It's like, oh, what have I got left? 
It's not literally the change in my pe- pocket or, the, or the, the last fiver in my wallet. It's, it's timely, it's thought through, it's set aside, it's earmarked. I'm not going to use that for other things. Okay? It's in keeping with income. Now, that might mean a tenth. That might be a helpful guide. It might mean a lot more than a tenth. It might be less. What I want to say here is just two things, very simply. On the one hand, it should be done responsibly. I believe giving should be done responsibly. And you say, well, Mark, where's the faith? And you've got to know with your partner, if you have one, wife, husband, uh, where that comes in faith. But I, I do want to say this, and I've had to counsel and pastor some people, we need to be good stewards of all of our resources. And so I wouldn't strongly urge you to give, because I believe it's a biblical principle, it's in the heart of Jesus, you're hearing that. But I don't believe we should give and get into debt. I've had to counsel sometimes people who've, who've said, I, I, I want to give to the Lord, but then they've, they've taken out debt to do that. Don't believe, I think there's a bigger subject then to be talked about what you're spending and how you're spending and, and that's not a guilt and condemnation, that's a grace thing. So don't be under pressure to give such an amount that you have to go into debt to do it. But I also, on the other hand, I want to say to some of us, uh, I want to use a phrase that a good friend of mine invented some years ago, I, we need to be aware, beware of joining the 100 Club. Okay. Uh, and he used to talk about people who, you know, had finance, wanted to give. Oh, hundred! They set up a hundred pound in the standing order, which is a good thing, by the way, and really helpful for us in budgeting. But then it becomes out of sight and out of mind, and it's just the hundred. Oh, we do give. We give a hundred pounds, but it hasn't been thought through. Hasn't been considered carefully. Hasn't. It, it's not particularly a response. It is a response of the heart, but actually, it's just sort of got left. And it's not, it's not being constantly brought to the Lord's. And so in keeping with income is something we need to review regularly. My income may have risen. I, I want to honor the Lord's with the first fruits of that. I want to come to him first and say, thank you, Father, for all that you've given to me. My income may, may change dramatically and I may need to adjust my giving. And you need to be under grace and freedom to be able to do that. Ask the Holy Spirit to lead you. Husbands and wives, talk about it together. Don't go against each other. Find God's heart together in it. I want to say this. Responsible, joyful giving is one of the significant marks of a believer. So with this in mind, I do want to encourage everyone who calls Apex their home to give regularly and generously in proportion to your income. As I come towards a close, one thing I'm sure of is the Apostle Paul would also have added, if he could at the time, oh, by the way, make sure that if you're a taxpayer, you fill out a gift aid form. (laughs) I'm absolutely sure the Apostle Paul would have put that in Scripture. Um, Unfortunately, that would not have worked under the Romans. (laughs) Okay, the Romans were taxing heavily, as, as you know, if you know your history. Currently, we live in a country where our God has put in place a government that has given us the ability to claim back 25%, 25p in every pound that we pay in tax as long as we give it to charity. So I can see no reason at all to take every opportunity to claim as much gift aid back as possible. And as you've just heard, you can see now how it's being used 
in the life of the church. So if you are giving to the church and you're paying tax, please, please fill out a gift aid form. It doesn't commit you to anything. What it does is enable us to claim back the tax if you do give. You will also find standing order forms and other things at the back. And if we need more, we can photocopy some more today. They are there. Gift aid forms are there at the back. I just want to say, as I, in conclusion, I want to say it's a matter of the heart. When Jesus speaks about money and giving. That's what comes out time and time and time again. I just want to read another one from Jesus. Matthew 23 this time. 23. Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You give a tenth of your spices, mint, dill and cumin, but you've neglected the more important matters of the law, justice, mercy and faithfulness. This is Jesus. You should have practiced the latter without neglecting the former. So if you want to tentatively find a verse from Jesus in the New Testament about tithing, that's the one, okay? It's sort of vaguely there because he's not saying don't tithe. He's commending them for tithing, but they've missed the point. So if you want Jesus to say carry on tithing, he does sort of say it here, all right? But he's saying you've missed the point. There you are. I've done my bit. I've kept the law. I've kept all the commandments, he said, didn't he, that young man? I've tithed everything, including my herbs. How many of you are tithing herbs? That would be nice. Bring them into church. You know, in Lesotho, under that tree when I was there, people one day, people brought the tiniest coins. My heart broke. And then one lady came along on the offering plate, and there was a chicken trussed up, literally. (laughs) And it was still alive, which was slightly more disconcerting. You've missed the heart. You've tithed your herbs... But what about justice and mercy and faithfulness? Go and sell everything you have and give it to the poor. Then you'll have treasure in heaven. She, out of her poverty, put in everything she had. The young man went away sad because he had great wealth. I'll just say that again. She, out of her poverty, put in everything she had. The young man went away sad because he had great wealth. Many of you will know about our good friend Donna Bloomfield. Great work she's doing in Burundi. One of the poorest nations literally in the world. And caring for some of the poorest of the poor people seeking to plant God-honouring churches there right now, although currently they're underground because they're not allowed to be registered. They're not registered because they won't pay the bribe. They heard about the offering to Regions Beyond, the one I want to talk about just briefly next week. They heard about the offering for the work of Regions Beyond and they talked among themselves and said they really wanted to be involved. Now, I want to give a context just as I finish. These are families who are surviving on less than £10 a month. 
And that's only if they can manage to find work every day in local farm, farmland and usually two shifts a day. To rent a small mud room is £3 a month. Now, I don't know how many gave, and they couldn't do it together because they're not allowed to get together as church, although they find ways around it. There's restrictions. They're not registered. They won't pay the bribe. In the midst of that context, I've just described to you, they took up an offering of something equivalent to £110. Two Corinthians eight verse one. Now, brothers and sisters, I want you to know about the grace that God has given to the City Gate Church, the Macedonian churches, City Gate Bujumbura. In the midst, in the midst of very severe trial, their overflowing joy. And their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. For I testify that they gave as much as they were able and even beyond their ability. Entirely on their own, they urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in this service to the Lord's people. Can I invite you to stand? You know, we're pushing in at the moment as a church to the presence of God. Many of you are eagerly saying we want more of God, more of the Spirit. We're longing that the Father would come amongst us, the Spirit would come amongst us, that Jesus would reveal himself to us. I know for myself that's a wonderful encounter and great sense of warmth and love and joy. But you know, this is also the presence of God. This is also the power of God turning up, transforming our hearts, transforming our thinking and our minds, transforming our behavior and our belief and our trust, transforming our pockets, transforming everything. It's what the Spirit will do, transforms everything. Luke chapter 6, verse 38, Jesus' words again, give And it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over, will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Lord Jesus, we come. I just want to say the communion tables are here available to us. As we look at these communion tables, we look at a model and what is modelled and displayed before us of one who laid down his life, who gave everything, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to use to his advantage, but gave himself, taking on the very nature of a servant, being found in human likeness and appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross.